This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 114. Ooh, those are fighting words. Of the in-between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel Lim. And I'm Christina M. All right, are we doing this podcast with boxing gloves? (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of Cobra Kai going on? What's going on? Nunchucks, (laughs) all of the above, right? So today we're going to be talking about how to fight with your spouse without ruining your marriage. Mm, Yes. Yeah. So a few months ago, we talked about how a conflict-free marriage should not be your goal, right? This was on episode 106. So after interviewing and observing thousands of couples, Dr. John Gottman found that there are two types of conflicts, right? Solvable and perpetual. Right. Solvable conflicts are the ones that we can come to an agreement upon. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, actually 69% of problems in a relationship are perpetual. Wait, so almost three quarters of problems in relationships are not solvable? Exactly. (laughs) And that's why we're going to refer back to episode 106 because we discussed what to do with those perpetual conflicts and how a conflict-free marriage should never be your goal because it's literally impossible. Hmm. So I guess that kind of gives hope because uh, maybe to some people, <laughs> the glass half full people, maybe <laughs> well, we're because, fighting because we can't solve it. <laughs> well, because of the clarity of it. Right. I right. think there are some people who have maybe you grew up with parents and you never heard them fight mm-hmm. because they always wanted to fight behind closed doors or they didn't fight because they were holding everything in or, or whatnot. And and you've kind of come to a point in your life where you're like, well, I can't have conflicts either. Or, or if you're an Enneagram nine, for example, and you're a peacemaker, you're like, no, I got, I, I don't like this. I hate this. And mm-hmm. whereas on other, there are other types of personalities or based on your past history where you're like, man, yeah, no, I like conflict because it lets us get it out and, and all that. So I, I find just the research in and of itself, the clarity that there are two types of problems, solvable and perpetual. And that really a conflict-free marriage should not be our goal. I actually see that as hopeful right. because it brings clarity. Exactly. So now that we know what to do with our perpetual conflicts because you've listened to episode 106, today we want to dive deeper into those solvable conflicts and how you can fight with your spouse without ending things in a huge tyrant. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So while conflict is really inevitable in a marriage, we've learned through experience that there are many different ways we can fight. And there are some fights that may last longer or hurt deeper than we intended because of the quote unquote weapon of choice we choose to battle with. Right. So right off the bat, we talked about the perpetual and the solvable conflicts. And some people may think, well, solvable means easier. Right. Because there is a conclusion to it that the problem does have a way out. However, if you're going to take your solvable conflicts and just shoot fiery arrow darts at each other and try to tear each other down Mm. with different weapons, (laughs) then you'll realize, yeah, they may be solvable, but you'll have a lot of battle scars in the end. Yeah. So the popular approach to conflict resolution used by many people, including many marriage therapists, 
this is to really put yourself in your partner's shoes, mm -hmm. listen to what they say, and communicate with empathy that you understand their perspective. It's a pretty good method if you can do it, right? If you can do it, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Many couples can't, even happily married couples. Because honestly, let's think about it for a moment. It's really hard to put yourself in your spouse's shoes when they are literally driving you crazy. Yeah, you <laughs> and you don't, don't want even want, yeah, you don't even want to be in the same room <laughs> yeah, with them, exactly. let, let alone, alone be in their shoes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, what can we do instead, Daniel? Well, by studying hundreds of couples in his love lab, Dr. Gottman developed a new model for resolving your solvable problems in a relationship. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Well, let's get to it. So step one in fighting with your spouse without ruining your marriage is to soften your startup. Soften your startup? Mm-hmm. So how a conversation starts actually predicts how it will end. If you start off your conversation harshly, chances are that the discussion will continue to escalate and it will turn into a full-blown fight, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, no experience here with that. Yeah, nope. exactly. <laughs> this is all rhetorical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in our experience, many of our arguments have begun because of the tone we were using with one another or because of the criticism. Yeah, that's right. As many of you know... We have started homeschooling our children and it has been quite draining on me as I'm trying to figure out the rhythm between being a teacher and our kids being home all the time and working and running a household. So last week we were getting ready to go on a trip and I had to drop off our dog at a friend's place because we weren't going to bring him. And we were supposed to do it after dinner. Literally, I felt like I could not keep my eyes open at the dinner table. I was just flat out exhausted. And I was trying to tell Daniel how tired I was, but it just came out as pure frustration. Yeah, so I noticed that and, and realized that we just weren't on the same page. So I probably not in the best tone either was like, just go take a nap. Like, just take a chill <laughs> pill. We'll talk about it after. I don't want to talk to you right now. Just go take a nap and then let's figure out what to do with Teddy. Right, because literally this was the perfect storm for an epic fight. Uh, really, because I really started the conversation off quite harshly. I wasn't saying like, hey, baby, I'm tired. Can we talk about what we're going to do? It was just, I'm so exhausted. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and when one spouse starts that way, and, and I've done that many times, it's really hard for the other spouse to respond in a positive way and with a soft startup as well, right? I mean, there's no way it's really hard to respond in that way. So in light of all that, other than, I guess, tone of voice or fighting, <laughs> what are some clues or, uh, I guess, patterns that we can learn and, and observe and watch out for when we are not starting off soft, but we're starting up harshly? Yeah, <laughs> right. So a harsh startup begins with the four horsemen, and that really causes flooding and increased emotional distance that constrain the marriage. All right, so I know we talked about the four horsemen in a previous episode, so why don't you do a quick recap for us? All right, we're going to underline the word quick because we did talk about this extensively in episode 106. So just a reminder, if you want to hear examples of what the four horsemen are and why you shouldn't use them, go back to that episode. But for today, the four horsemen explanations are going to go like this. So the first one is criticism, and that's verbally attacking or blaming your spouse's personality or character for what's wrong in the relationship. 
The second is contempt, which is you acting superior to others, especially your spouse, and using insults or put-downs. The third one is defensiveness, and that's warding off your spouse's criticism by counterattacking or acting like you're the innocent victim, like you have had no part in this to play. And the last one is stonewalling, and that's when one spouse completely withdraws from a conflict discussion and no longer responds to the partner. It usually happens when you're feeling emotionally overwhelmed. So, you know, when you have that like glazed look over or you're just looking out the window and your spouse is talking and you're not responding, that's stonewalling. So soft startups, which is the first step that we're walking through today to help you fight with your spouse without ruining your marriage, uh, these soft startups, they do not contain the four horsemen. So when you or your spouse start the conversation gently, this actually communicates respect and it causes both you and your spouse to feel positive about yourselves and your marriage. So let's walk through a few suggestions just to make sure that the next time you're in a fight or about to be in a fight and you're just not on the same page with your spouse, that you can ensure that your startup is soft. So Christina, let's use our example about going to Jasper and getting Teddy off to a friend's house as an, uh, really a way to illustrate what we're talking about. Right. Okay. So let's start off with, I could have complained without blaming and state a positive need. Mm -hmm. So I could have said, hey, here's how I feel about dropping Teddy off. I'm utterly exhausted and I need to take a nap to gain more energy before I drop him off. So make sure to state your positive need and not what you don't need. So if I had said, I don't need a nap. I don't need you to tell me what to do. I don't need so on and so forth. That really would have not been a soft startup. So another thing that you can do is to take responsibility. So both Christina and I had busy schedules that evening. I didn't realize how busy of a day she had had and what she had to do later on that night. I only knew what I had to do and I had just worked all the way up to dinner right after dinner. I had to do more work because my to-do list was so crazy and then I had another meeting that night so I just wasn't taking any responsibility. So I could have taken more responsibility and said, hey baby, I recognize that my schedule is packed. I see and I hear how tired and exhausted you are. How about I make this change so that we can then make this happen? And we'll go on later into what happened in the end. (laughs) (laughs) But it did work out, so that's good. (laughs) Uh, Another thing you can do is start with I instead of you. We've talked about this before, but I statements are really less critical. And you don't make your spouse feel as defensive because you're not pointing the finger at them. You're talking about how you feel or how you see the situation and how they can respond as well. And, you know, being polite and appreciative never hurts either, does it? (laughs) That's true, right? (laughs) Yeah, saying please or I would appreciate it instead of demanding something from someone. Yeah, and just simply don't let things build up, right? Because if you do, ultimately it will escalate either verbally or internally, and that's not going to be a pretty sight. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So if you've been listening and you find that your spouse or yourself tend to start conflicts harshly, make sure that, uh, especially if you're talking about your spouse, that they feel known, respected, loved, and heard. 
when they're saying, hey, it's your turn to do the dishes, can you please do them? And you're ignoring them, your spouse's request may escalate to, ah, what is wrong with you? Are you deaf? Just do the dishes. Remember that it's really difficult to feel like you are unseen and unheard, especially by the person who you're supposed to be most in love with or most vulnerable with. So remember to respond and pay attention to their bids for connection. Yeah, exactly. So what we're talking about right now is a model to help you resolve solvable problems in your relationship. And the first step, as we've just ran things through, is to soften your startup, right? What does that beginning look like when you feel like you're about to fight? What is right? So just soften it. That's that first step. The next step is to learn how to send and receive repair attempts. So, Christina, what is a repair attempt? Well, think of a repair attempt as you're slamming the brakes when you see a yellow light turning red mm. instead of just zooming on by, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you do this to avoid a collision in real life, not hitting cars, but you also do this to avoid a collision that could harm your marriage. The difference between stable marriages and unhappy ones is not that the repair attempts are actually better, but the repair attempts get through to the spouse. Hmm. Can you unpack that a little bit? For sure. So repair attempts require two people, the person offering the repair and the one that is willing to accept it. All right. So when we think back to our fight earlier, was my repair attempt me kind of saying, Christina, I don't want to talk to you. Go take a nap. (laughs) Yeah, actually, it was. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, I probably shouldn't have said it the way I said it, but... Right, (laughs) exactly. There are, you know, ways to maybe soften that, Mm. but it was a repair attempt. And I remember you saying even, you're like, let's take a deep breath. I don't want to fight about this. Let's, you know, put the brakes on. You were trying to say that. Mm -hmm. I uh, was initially really aggravated by this suggestion because I didn't feel like I actually had time to stop and take a nap. So I'm going to take a nap for what an hour and that's an hour less that i have to knock everything off my list for this trip however after we continued to discuss what was on my plate and what needed to be off my plate so i could rest i really felt appreciated and i conceded to your suggestion i went to go take a nap and guess what when i woke up life was not so dreary anymore Mm, yeah that makes a lot of sense and when i think back to that fight christina I it's not that I always respond in that way when we do have fights. Uh, I don't always throw out a repair attempt. I mean, I didn't know it was called a repair attempt. (laughs) But I, 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 I knew during that moment, I was like, you know what? I'm responding differently than I usually do. Like literally this is going on into my mind. Right. And I was like, I wonder if it'll work. But part of part of the issue, as we've talked before, I mean, there's tone, there's attitude, and we just didn't have a soft startup. Because I think in other instances, when there would have been a st- soft startup, that repair attempt might have worked. Yes. And it, I would have received it more out of love and realizing that, hey, uh, I really do care for you. I want you to go be able to rest so you don't feel so stressed. And that's exactly why you wanted me to do it. But the way I was receiving it was not necessarily out of love and hearts floating all around. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And that's what happens, right? So happy couples, um, they can send and receive 
repair attempts with ease or a little less bumpy. But in unhappy marriages, when there's lots of other stuff going on, even amazing repair attempts can fall on deaf ears. Hmm. So let me give you a reason why. Uh, One reason couples miss these attempts to repair is the message doesn't always arrive wrapped in loving, tender, caring, mushy messages, right? Like we talked about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. So if no heart emojis, right? Yeah. Unfortunately <laughs> not. No likes there. No. <laughs> so if your spouse yells, you're getting off topic or that's not what we're talking about, that's actually a repair attempt. Like you were saying, Daniel, you mm. said go take a nap. That is a repair attempt despite the negative delivery. Yeah. Yeah, completely. So if you're listening to their tone rather than the words that your spouse is actually using, and that often happens when you don't have that soft startup, mm-hmm. you can miss the real message, which is, oh, let's, let's just stop because this is getting out of hand. Yeah, and I don't want to fight. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. So if your relationship is swimming in an ocean of negativity, repair attempts are really going to be difficult to hear. And the best strategy under those situations is to make your attempts obvious in order to emphasize them. Hmm. So even though you're bantering back and forth, that there will be key words that will perk up both your ears to be able to realize, oh, 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 let us try to repair. Yeah, I know at first when you start using these statements, they may feel cheesy or kind of awkward, but specific phrases like these can be keys for you and your spouse to help your discussions from spiraling out of control. Uh, We're not going to have time to break down all of the examples, but you can find more at inbetween.org slash episode 114 in our show notes. So let me run through some of these examples so you have a good idea of what you can do. I've known other couples who have actually written down some of these statements and even put them on their fridge so that uh, if they're fighting about, if you're like us, you fight about dishes... (laughs) Maybe more often than you want to, you can look on the fridge and use one of these statements and you can cue each other that, hey, we are trying to make a repair attempt before this goes into a full blown conflict. So here they are. Please help me calm down. This is important to me. Please listen. Uh, I'm starting to feel flooded or I really blew that one. Let me try again. And the last one is I agree with part of what you're saying, let's try to find a common ground. Now, it's important that you actually agree with your spouse and that your spouse knows why you're using phrases like this. Right. Uh, otherwise, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Or like be like, robotic. Yeah, like, you're like, what in the world? Flooded? Why did you, <laughs> yeah. like, what are, what are you reading? Not even yeah. raining. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's why we want to encourage you to share this episode with your spouse, especially if you're in the middle of a conflict and be like, hey, Baby, how about we listen to this together and begin working on our fighting, (laughs) right? And you can do that just by hitting the share button on your podcast app or texting them inbetween.org slash episode 114. 
All right, so that's step two, which is learning how to send and receive repair attempts. Step three is to soothe yourself and each other. So sometimes during conflict discussions, you or your spouse can get so stressed that your bodies literally shut down. And another word for that is flooding, like we mentioned before. Hmm. Flooding makes repair attempts physically impossible to hear. So it's really interesting. In his research, Dr. Gottman measured the physiological changes in a person's body as their bodies are being flooded mm. because they actually are fighting with their spouse. He found that if your heart rate exceeds 100 beats per minute, you actually won't be able to hear and process what your spouse is trying to tell you, no matter how hard they try. Oh, wow. That's crazy how the research has even connected with the heartbeats. Mm-hmm. So if you or your spouse feel overwhelmed by the conversation that you're having, it actually helps to take a 20 to 30 minute break and focus on the positives of your relationship by yourself. Maybe that means that you talk and say, hey, I'm actually feeling really flooded. I need to go and take a walk outside. I need to go into my room and or I need to go take a bath and just reset myself. Yeah, because honestly, I think we've all experienced this when you're in the heat of a conflict with your spouse or with someone else. It's just you're you're not thinking correctly. You're not right. responding. And you often say things that you regret later on. So in the heat of that moment, maybe one of the best things to do is to take that 20 to 30 minute break and to actually communicate that that is what it is rather right, than just storming, storming off, off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or shutting the door like some drama. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, Whoa, right. Or leaving the house that actually doesn't help because it will to to some personalities. It's like, where are they going? Mm-hmm. What's happening? And it can actually further increase the mistrust or or whatnot right so sometimes after saying hey can we just take a 20 to 30 minute break and then continue just just hit pause just for a moment and in those moments really just pray breathe ask god to help you keep your mouth shut ask god to help you be quick to listen slow to speak slow to become angry and abounding in love and to not say anything that you're going to regret later, then just continue to deep breathe, right? I mean, we have many episodes that we'll put in the show notes that we uh, that, that are just really quick and easy tools to help you calm down and center your eyes and your heart on Jesus and on what really matters. So if you're looking for those, those will be found on inbetween.org slash episode 114. Yes, Daniel, I feel like we've had... Many experiences <laughs> with flooding, right? Yes. And it's really difficult to know what soothes each other during a fight. You're not going to be screaming at each other and then look and be like, okay, how can I soothe you? Mm. How can you soothe me? <laughs> but when y'all are calm, perhaps when you're sitting on the couch together after the kids are in bed or you're going for a walk outside, you can take the time to ask each other some of the following questions. And even before that, sometimes it's really hard to be introspective. We don't even ask ourselves these questions. So perhaps you need to ask yourself this question first so you even know how to respond to your spouse. Yeah, and if you're working out or driving or on a walk or something, don't worry, you don't need to stop and write these down. We're going to have these questions for you on inbetween.org slash episode 114 so that you can keep on listening. All right, so here are a few of the questions. We'll just quickly name them. What makes us feel flooded, right? Have that conversation. You know, is it certain situations that we're in? Is it certain people that we're with or stressful events? So talk through that. 
Another one is, hey, how do we bring up issues or complaints in general or when we're in a fight? Do do I hold things in? Do you hold things in? Do we tend to share them later or initially? And if so, why why is that? Why is that? Uh, another question is, hey, when you feel flooded, is there something that I can do to soothe you? Maybe it's a massage or a hug or something else. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> what are you thinking about? Uh, <laughs> In 20 to 30 minutes? Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. So, <laughs> okay. Okay, how do you think we could uh, you could soothe me when I feel flooded? Okay, well right. we know how you want to be soothed. <laughs> All right. Or what signals what signals can we send each other when we feel flooded, so that we can take bre- breaks and I can't say soothe each other. Anymore. Okay, let's go <laughs> to step four. It's gonna be code word now. Let's go downstairs to podcast and, and soothe. soothe okay. Each other. All right. So step that was step three, <laughs> which is. Yeah, it is what it is. I'm not going to say it. Step four is finding common ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why don't you? I can't. I'm not. I can't do this. All you right, just keep I'll going. I'll continue yeah. on. <laughs> and then we'll soothe later. <laughs> Christina. Okay. So some call it compromise and others call it coming to an agreement of some sort. No matter what you call it, no matter the semantics, finding common ground is the way to solve marital problems. Coming to an agreement or compromise is not about one person changing or giving up. I want to underline that. It's not about one person just throwing the white flag in and being like, fine, whatever you want to do. Mm. That's not it. It's about negotiating and discovering ways to accommodate each other. So, for example, in the fight we talked about before where I felt completely overwhelmed and stressed, Daniel, you suggested that I take a nap, but I didn't have time to. Who else would help pack the kids' clothes, find all the winter gear we needed for hiking, get all the snacks ready, get our dog stuff ready to bring to our friends who were taking care of them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Daniel, I knew that you were working late that night and also had a meeting later on that night. You really didn't have time to help. But after I expressed that I felt like everything was weighing on me and I was this close to cracking, we both came to an agreement, right? Yeah, so in the end, I postponed my meeting. But here's something that I realized. In that moment, what I was wanting to do was just have a softer start or I wanted kind of a us both being on level ground and not have emotions really run everything because I could see that you were flooded in that moment. What I didn't realize because this this all like you didn't even take the nap but but when we made this agreement that right. I was gonna postpone my meeting I was wanting to have the conversation after the nap I realized that you couldn't have the nap until there was some sort of plan mm-hmm. so I was willing to really from the beginning uh, basically cancel the meeting or postpone the meeting but I wasn't willing to say that up front because I wanted to really just have a conversation about, hey, what are our options? Are our options to maybe leave later tomorrow? And if that's the case, then what are the consequences on all that, all of that stuff? But in that moment, when we didn't start off well, and when we were flooded, and, and we just didn't have that common ground, it was like, okay, that was a big learning experience for me, where I was like, okay, you know what, if we don't have the time, well, what can I help with now? What can I because because I realized that you really felt that you were basically not I wasn't I wasn't giving any common ground up (laughs) right I was just expecting you to do everything so I think me saying okay you know what I'm not going to do the meeting I'll take care of the dog and and we you know our conversation kept on going I felt like that is really what unlocked our ability to quickly resolve that situation 
Yeah, I agree. And then after I took the nap and, you know, the dog got dropped off, everything got off, everything was done. We had a conversation after and we decided that, hey, in any future trips we take the night before, we need to make sure we plan that carefully so that both of us are carrying the weight uh, I mean, not nothing is ever equal, mm-hmm. but just both of us feel like the other one isn't doing, going off and doing whatever they want, or don't doesn't feel so bagged down. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's important in this step to really underline that you need to accept your spouse's flaws and quirks, right? We all have them. And until you accept those flaws and quirks, it's going to be impossible to come to an agreement. Because we all know that no one's perfect, but somehow during conflicts, <laughs> how often do we get stuck and weighed down by the if onlys? Mm-hmm. Like if only my spouse were richer or smarter or more emotionally in tune with how I feel or could read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> if I had gotten stuck in the if only Daniel could see how stressed I am and cancel all his plans to come to my rescue, if only he were more kind, empathetic, selfless, blah, 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 blah. we wouldn't be having this argument. Yeah, those are not actually true. Yeah, so in that moment, Christina, you went from, man, I wish Daniel could just read my mind Mm -hmm. to actually verbalizing, hey, can you postpone your meeting? Can you not do it? Yeah, and because I was already thinking, oh, that might be a possible solution, just immediately without even thinking, I was like, yeah, of course, I could do that. And then I'll drop Teddy off. And it was like, is that really the (laughs) (laughs) Is that really, you know? You are stating your needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, rather than saying, if only my spouse could right. read my mind, exactly. then, yeah. <laughs> Just <I guess>. talk. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. you know, it doesn't ever go anywhere. <laughs> no, yeah, for right. sure. So the if only thoughts, uh, because the other spouse cannot read your mind, they breed resentfulness towards your spouse in our hearts and our minds, which literally makes conflict impossible to solve. How can you solve a conflict that you're really only brewing within yourself, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So instead, it's important to cherish your spouse, which really nurtures gratefulness for what you have and stops you from focusing on what you don't have. I know that is easier said than done, especially in a conflict. And so it's really about putting deposits into your love bank, right? So it's not about the times that you're in conflict where you're necessarily drawing all the ways that you love and are grateful for your spouse, but it's the times when you're not in conflict where you can really focus your mind and your heart on the ways that you are grateful for your spouse and for each other and to communicate that as well to each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And this leads us, Christina, to our last step, which is to address emotional injuries. So when you argue with your spouse, here's what happens. Emotional wounds, right? (laughs) Emotional wounds are left even when you've resolved the issue. There still are those emotional wounds because maybe it was what you said or the tone or the past that you brought up in your spouse, which never which is never a good idea. Um, and, and you know, those sorts of things really do, uh, they, they, they're emotional injuries and they can cause those. So we do need to address them. Mm-hmm. And if emotional injuries aren't addressed, they really tend to become constant irritants. Like, I don't know, have you ever been hiking and you have this stone in your shoe and it's really <laughs> tiny? But yeah. the more you keep walking, the more it hurts and it can actually really cause a huge injury in the end. Yeah, that's right. So we tend to ruminate 
about these incidences uh, and that rumination can really bring emotional distance between you and your spouse over time if they're if they're not talked about. And though painful, we all know these emotional injuries are painful, we want you to know that they're actually normal. (laughs) Most, if not all couples, they go through them. We have gone through them, we Mm -hmm. go through them, we will go through them. But just because they're normal doesn't mean that that's where we stop. The emotional injuries actually require talking about or processing these things so that both of you grow in your conflict solving skills and abilities together. Yeah, that's good. So if this has happened to you, when you've disagreed or hurt each other, the cause of these emotional injuries, recognize that it's not what you were fighting about, but it really is how you were fighting. So things like using the four horsemen while arguing, these things can really leave wounds long after the conflict is over. So while we don't have time to get into the nitty gritty of how to address your emotional injuries today, we're definitely going to do another episode in the future since analyzing this together as a couple is going to give you a deeper understanding of how you're experiencing your arguments. So in conclusion, here are five steps that are going to help you fight with your spouse without ruining your marriage. Number one, remember to soften your startup. Number two, Learn to send and receive repairs. Number three, soothe yourself and your spouse. That's Daniel's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay le- number four is finding common ground. And number five, address emotional injuries. Yep. These five steps are going to help you fight with your spouse without ruining your marriage. And once you learn to overcome the barriers that prevent clear communication, difficulties and conflicts are going to be easier to resolve. But remember, these solutions work for only problems that can be solved. Remember, the solvable problems. And if finding common ground seems impossible in a certain fight or situation, then maybe the problem you are struggling with is actually perpetual. And you can go back to inbetween.org slash episode 106 to learn how to handle those types of conflicts. All right. Well, next week on episode 115, what are we going to be talking about? We're going to be interviewing Michael and Smith about practicing hospitality in every season of life, including COVID. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks again for listening in, and we'll catch you next time. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.